It has just passed 18 hours, 31 minutes and 2 seconds, East African time. Time for John Sibi Okumu on Wednesday. This being Wednesday, the 14th of December, 2022. Hamjambo na karibuni, hello and welcome. Now, sadly, we didn't have the power to change the calendar to have this be December the 12th, Independence Day, but I think we're close enough to look back on the last 59 years as we head towards the significant decimal age of 60. For this edition, I sent out a text with these words, relatives and friends, re-research for a radio program which I present, I would be very grateful if you could list from 1 to 10 unforgettable national events in Kenya's story so far. And as a guest, I have invited not a complete unknown or an acquaintance, but a very good friend to help me go down memory lane. As he is one, I shall first call him not Nani in his language, but Kuka in mine, which is Grandpa in our mother tongues. And in a slight change of format, I hope to give him triggers for a rapid-fire conversation. We're not going to be able to deal with all of Kenya's history in an hour, but we'll give it a shot through milestone moments in people's lives. First, let us hear a line from Prince Philip's speech representing the Queen on December the 12th, 1963. Here goes. It only remains for me to present to you, Mr. Prime Minister, these constitutional instruments which establish Kenya's independence. So that's how it all began. So let me begin from reading from my list. And so as not to end on a morbid, but on a happy note, I've tried to go from sad to glad. So, Kuka. 1953, I remember, I was only nine years old, I remember going onto the road in Parklands from one end to the other. It was covered with white soldiers at every gate and we were not even allowed to cross the roads. And later on, they came in, um, broke into our house workers' residences cut up all the mattresses, tore all the blankets and threw them out and took off. By this time, our workers had already disappeared and two of them were never to be seen again. One came back and uh, that's my memory of 1953. I have an entry here. Kenyatta Nakuru speech to white farmers, August 1963. Now, we are of a generation, so if you sort of break down, I'll try to carry the burden lightly. Do you remember that? I remember when he went to Nakuru and uh, spoke to all the farmers who had gathered there from the White Highlands, uh, i.e. Alamantaita, Nakuru, Mount Narok, you name it. And it was a very big crowd of white farmers. 
who were assured by Mr. Kenyatta that he needs them and he needs them to stay on and help build Kenya. Independence Day itself, Kuka? Independence Day, I was a photographer then and I remember the celebrations very well. We were taking photographs and we had to be put into trenches so that we come don't come in anyone's way and that's where we took all the photographs from and there was so much jubilation and happiness all around. The Limuru Conference of 1966. I was there and uh, this was a hurriedly arranged conference where um, Mr. Odinga was removed from Kanu and it carried on from there. Well, that, uh, Kuka, that was the point really when you, uh, the kind of um, breakup of the sort of beginning, the early days of the marriage when everything was going perfectly because then we segue immediately into the one-party state. Uh, some would like to use the word dictatorship, but we're not here to politicize. We had a one, and had we had to wait for a long time before multi-party democracy kicked in. So I can see why people remember that. It wasn't uh, a very serious one-party state then, which it became later, and things went on as normal. I mean, there was freedom of business, there was freedom of speech, there was freedom of the press, but later years, it slowly drowned into uh, a one-party state. Okay, I, we have to, on, onwards. Uh, there are two deaths which came to, were vivid in people's memories. Um, Jomo Kenyatta's death in 1978, and on the 20th of January 1994, J Jaramogi Oginga Odinga's death. So that's basically, at this point, we've lost our two founding fathers. I was not around when uh, Jomo Kenyatta died. I was away in Europe and same when Odinga died. So I I was watching it on the international news. Uh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Kuka, I, I, in my broadcasting career, uh, that I was working for what was then the general service of the Voice of Kenya as a newsreader. Mm. And I wasn't quite in the big league of uh, reading with Norbert Okare and Yakubi Shak. But I, I did do a bulletin that announced that um, Zeh had died. But I'm going to take you back one because I'm not reading my notes properly. Um, I should have mentioned Lancaster House, which was a memory to some. Now, Lancaster House, for me, I was a little sort of seven-year-old boy living in London with my dad, where he was studying, whatever he was studying. And um, I didn't understand what was going on. But I do remember that Uncle Tom came to see us, and that was Tom Boyer. I remember Uncle Karuga Kwenange, all these sort of um, um, leading lights of the independent struggle. Well, I, I remember being at the airport to take photographs of the people who were going to the Lancaster House meeting. So and did you take a picture, with the, the famous picture with, uh, is it Martin Chukuku, uh sort of carrying a cockerel? And they were sort of, you know, with their skins and very native. Did you take pictures of people like that? Could have been, yes. There plenty of pictures were taken at that time. Well, we have to segue into a sadder note because there's a, there's, a, there's a list of assassinations in our history which uh, 
almost everybody who answered my questionnaire, your top 10, came up with assassination of Pierre Gamma Pinto, assassination of Tom Boy in July 1969 at a chemist shop in Nairobi, the assassination of J.M. Kariuki when his mutilated body was found in the Gong Hills, and the assassination of Robert Ouko. I any of those I remember Gamma Pinto's assassination but it was sort of um, kind of a secrecy thing you could not easily approach the place where he was shot or where he was taken and what happened to him and well that was pretty brutal Kuka because to my mind this idea of a, a guy sort of leaving home and saying goodbye to his daughter and trying to get into a car and then all of a sudden the shots rang out. So not a, well, not, it, not a high point in our history, i Yes, say. but it happened to all the p- people who were assassinated. Like mm. Mboya was at a chemist shop when mm. he was shot dead. Mm. And I did... Did you, did you cover that? I, I did I, cover, I, I, I know yes. very much that Mohammed Amin is the one who was credited with the taking the, 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 the photographs. But well, you were a young photographer at the time, did you? Sure. I, I was not on the site... Muhammad Amin had his office in town, mm. so it took him five minutes to run down to the yeah. chemist shop and get into the ambulance and mm. drive with mm. him. He got he got the scoop. He got the it. scoop, and then I ended up at the hospital uh, where Mboya was taken. There was a lot of rioting, stone throwing, uh, patients, lots of patients crying through. I could see them crying through the windows at the hospital, and then I covered. Mboya's funeral for one full week, going up to Rusinga, driving with the hearse to Rusinga, and spent a week covering the whole event. Mm. And uh, when uh, JM was assassinated, I came into the city and there was a lot of rioting, stone throwing, and similarly for... for, uh, those were those were my young student days, and I, mm. I must admit in this uh, public place that I was very much one of the rioters. Mm. Uh, we uh, that for the young and, and the sort of um, bright-eyed, I, I my kuka, my memory is this idea. I, I I'm not kikuyu, uh, but we were so moved by this song uh, that came out at the time. Uh, Woi 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 JM Okario came when they nere Arende Twenashana Nadwagema. Now I didn't know what I was saying, but but we wept for the singing of it. It was like bad news. Mm. Uh, bad news like uh, Robert Uko. Robert Uko I just covered uh, a bit of rioting and stone throwing in the city. Mm. And it was very sad it, uh, well, the well, way I, I, he I, was I, yes. like, assassinated. Right. And then, of course, the, again, the idea, again, that lingers on in African uh, politics and our way of life, the idea where things like that go underground and at the end of the day, nobody actually, um, the fingers pointed at anybody, 20, 30, 50. So in a sort of Western culture, uh, somebody commits a crime uh, kills a, a young girl going to school in 1966 and they catch up with him in 2022 and put him in jail. So I just wonder whether 
in our progression and our maturity, those cases will be reopened. And, uh, or again, it, the whole can of worms of do we just forget about these things? Because I talked to a young Uber driver who said, you know, let's not remember these things because we're a semi divided nation by tribalism and ethnicity. And perhaps it doesn't do to. Should we forget or should we try to? Well, I, I think it's going to be forgotten mm. because uh, the future generation, unless and until all these assassinations are, are brought to a school, to all the schools, yes. explaining what happened and why it happened, yes. I think it will be forgotten. Uh, we've got one minute uh, before our official break. I'm going to go for the attempted coup of August the 1st, 1982. I could cut you short and we could return, but the coup, the attempted coup. It was, it was like hearing firing, right, starting from about 10 o'clock to 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and then suddenly the coup was over. But the destruction... Uh, one had to visit the city to see the destruction, and there was. I did. I I was I was um, uh, insane enough at the time <laughs> to think let's let's. I lived in Kibra in my little digs, and I actually walked into town. Uh, what I can say is that the military, as they could have been, were not nasty to the to the Monenchi. So you could see all the jewelers' shops had um, been looted. But time for a break. I'm going to be unfair um, on you because you didn't, you're not expecting this question. But there is the historical truth that the, your community, the South Asian community, suffered terribly during that attempted coup. Is that something, again, which you would not dare say anything about because it's all too painful? Or? No, I think, I think that's been forgotten as well. Oh. Yeah, even amongst the community. It's been a long, long time. So that's a good thing that we should have forgotten. Yes. Because I, oh gosh, because I wrote a play <laughs> in which I resurrected it in some sort of non-ending monologue. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, let's keep our promises. Here's another text that I was given, Kuka. Uh, violence between Kalenjin, Maasai, and Samburu and the Kikuyu in the Rift Valley uh, continue in 1993 and 1994. Uh, the rubric here is ethnicity, tribalism. Do you remember the tribal clashes? I do remember some of them, but I would be happy to say now, at this moment, these are reducing by the day, and I think the communities are getting together. Even there might be some underlying reasons of the ethnicity and the tribalism, but I think eventually it is going to go away. I think so too, and yeah. but we've proved that, Kulka, in some in some way, because with every election that goes on, uh, people are being more geared to thinking about what's in it for us as a community rather than uh, it's our turn to eat. Right, uh, and long may it continue. Uh, and I think also that whichever government we have, if they consciously try to 
sensitize, educate the masses to think in terms of development, a good thing. I have a, a series of, again, we will get glad towards the end, but a series of bomb blasts, attacks, the Norfolk Hotel bomb blast, 1980, the 1998 U.S. Embassy bomb blast. Here we also have the Westgate attack of September the 21st, 2013, and finally the Doucet attack as close to us as the 19th of January, 2019. Which of those would you... I, I covered the Norfolk uh, bomb blast. Could you explain a little what happened there, Kuka? Because uh, I think there's some listeners who've no idea. They've probably seen Raid on Entebbe, uh, some sort of movie in Idi Amin. But w- why was the Norfolk bombed? I think it was... Uh, well, ba- I've got my own theory. Basically to do with the, the Entebbe raid. mm and of course, the hotel was owned by the blocks, yeah, Jewish, and Jewish, mm. and that was the easiest target they picked on, and uh, as a symbol uh, of uh, of a revenge of revenge, yes, a, a sort of anti-Semitic attack. Absolutely, yes. Again, more will be written about that. Um, the U.S. embassy bomb blast. I just seem to remember that it was it made a loud noise. You could hear it everywhere. I was in industrial area then. And literally, the earth shook a bit when the blast went off. And I rushed back and uh, tried to cover some of it. And uh, the destruction was unbelievable of what had happened. It was absolutely unbelievable. I I like this word that people like you use, which is to, to, to cover. Uh, where does the human being, the individual... Where does your own sense of humanity come in when you see all this? Do you just say, I've got my camera, click, 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 each shot is worth $1,000, or are you moved? Because I I could tell you what it's like to be on stage because I've been a stage actor, but I really, this is a genuine question. I haven't gone off to Ethiopia during the famine or anything. How did you feel? Basically, Rwanda during the genocide. Basically, you, as a journalist, photojournalist, you want to get every angle so that the world can see uh, what happened and how it went about. And uh, no feelings of your own. Uh, well, of you course, it, it's like a doctor. It, I, yes, it's in a surgery. Just say, okay, chop this person up. Twenty thousand liters of blood, and you're just cool about it. Aren't no, where you cool? No, no, no. You you do feel deeply about what you saw, but then you have to control that in a way in your mind and in your heart, and then later on maybe think about it and try and get over it. Mm. I think, Kuka, the, the, the worst one for me to recollect is Westgate, because I think, uh, not that I have any record, but I, I lost six people whom I knew personally, uh, including a colleague with whom I was working um, at a TV station, uh, so and uh, people that I'd gone to uh, school with, but again, what I remember about Westgate was that our response uh, was not up to par. The response I think, yeah, was pretty bad. 
Yeah, pretty I bad. Think, I think again going forward, I mean, we could. W- <laughs> I mean, uh, I was in in the UK then, watching all this on the news, and being told by one of the very senior government officers there was smoke coming out on the top of the building, and he said, "Oh, it seems like they're burning some mattresses to yes, distract ex- us." Exactly. I mean, I didn't understand that. Yes, the, we've got to go and back to school on the response. Yeah. Uh, the Doucet attack again. The acts of heroism go up here. We, you know, our our bad squatters were pretty sharp on it, and a lot of lives were saved. Where again, it could have been a complete disaster. So that's um, lots of brownie points. Yes. There. What uh, still sad? Still yeah, sad. What remains in my mind is the owner of Doucet trying to get people out with a gun in his hand. Oh, yeah, the owner. Okay. Yes. Oh, so he was sort of like Robin Hood. Yeah, he was bringing out people. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well. And uh, of course, all the other people were helping to to get uh, those who were injured or caught up in in the attack. People, Kuka, seem to remember presidential swearing-in ceremonies, all of them, all of them. Uh, I think we've spoken about Kenyatta, but uh, Moy, my notes say 1978, uh, people remember uh, the 10th anniversary uh, of the Moy presidency and the 20th anniversary of the Moy presidency. My anecdote about that is that I narrated the two anniversary documentary films and I dashed off on a plane we went to Austria because we were linked to Austria Wochenschau. And if you remember when you went to the movies, every sort of clip before the movie began was done by, we were, the a, the partner was Austrian television. So I went to Austria, um, at some Vienna Schnitzel or whatever, whatever they eat, it was delicious, um, and made these movies. But um, our president so far, they're swearing in ceremonies from Kenyatta onwards. Well, I would give top marks to Kenyatta's uh, inauguration at the Independence right. Stadium, right? Uh, because it was new, right? And it was something to look forward to. Independence had come, and uh, I did attend Moi's inauguration. Took some photographs. There's one of Kuka. There's one of these things which says. President Moy stepping down peacefully. So um, I know he, I know you got a lot of flack. There's a lot of grace in if people are sort of throwing mud at you, and mm. uh, but he he took it all in his stead. And that that yes, that was a good moment for Kenya. I uh, think that so. was a very good moment for Kenya stepping yeah. down quietly, mm-hmm. uh, unlike lots of other African countries in those years. But uh, it it went on to to be appreciated. We're now going from uh, swearing in funerals, uh, funerals of all of them, uh, all our presidents. And I'm going to add one more person whose funeral uh, has never been forgotten, but go for the funerals of our, well, um, praise I, be our current president is still alive, but <laughs> Africa, our, lots of them are still alive, but the ones God. who've died. Yeah. I I I I was not here when uh, President Kenyatta died. I was away in Canada then, so I just sort of picked up what I read in the newspapers. But I would have liked to be here so that I could photograph it, but uh, we couldn't. 
And at Viva magazine, we came out with a special issue of the funeral, which uh, did very well. Remind the populace of Viva magazine. Viva magazine was started by Salim Lone and us as partners. Salim Lone was the editor-in-chief of the magazine. And in those days, our circulation was something like fifteen to 20,000 copies. It was basically just for women and their stories. And by the way, I still have all the issues, back issues with me. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I'll, pre- yeah. I'll, I'll prepare to raid <laughs> you. <laughs> Mysterious raid. Yeah. Okay. And all the covers that we had. And anyway, in uh, during the 82 coup attempt is when we saw death of Viva magazine because they locked up Salim Lone, uh, no, locked up his wife. Salim Lone had to l- run away from the country and then slowly it, it died. You know, the Viva magazine died. Well, uh, don't yeah. tell us everything because I think we, you're, you're interesting <laughs> enough, if I may say so, sir. You're interesting enough, Kuka, mm. for us to uh, focus on your own life and your sure. families in greater detail. Sure. But the other funeral that comes to mind is that of Professor Wangari Madai. Now, Professor Wangari Madai, I interviewed on TV on a program I presented called The Summit. And I remember when we went to see her in her little sort of place where she had her seedlings and she said ah you journalists you know you're all the same you know you're, you're all pro- you never want me on your show and and i said no madam we admire you very much and you know um, please please do it for me and um uh, from our meeting I, I thought she was a splendid lady she had lovely skin and <laughs> bright teeth but anyway wangari i wish that every fifth or tenth girl is a Wangari Mathai in this country. She did so much for the forests and the trees in this country that we need more Wangari Mathais to, you know, take it forward. And every boy too. Well, every boy every too. Boy too. <laughs> sure. On that sexist, <laughs> on that sexist note from our guest, <laughs> we shall take another break. Now, um, we're still there. It depends on, you know, by his friends or or her friends, you shall know him or her. Uh, There is a friend of mine who's very much into the Constitution. And uh, I'm going to read um, a a bit of a long bedtime story. I'm going to read um, his submissions. In early 1993, the real magnitude of the Goldenberg scandal becomes known to the public. In the early 1990s, liberalization of the foreign exchange made the economy more competitive, and the Kenya economy bounces back in 1994 to 1996. In 1995, President Moy appoints the first female cabinet minister in Winifred Niva Mwendwa. We have Saba Saba, uh, Saba Saba, you might explain that, Kuka. The government bans the third National Convention Executive Council protest to be held 
on July 1997, the emergence of a new Constitution of Kenya Review Commission in 2001, the Guy Constitution. In 2003, the coming to power of the NARC government, BOMAS I and BOMAS II, 2003, the National Constitutional Conference, uh, another scandal, the Anglo-leasing scandal of 2004 to 2005, and also unforgettable was the 2017 Supreme Court ruling declaring a presidential election illegal. I do believe the first ever such ruling in Africa. A long list, Kuka. What have you got to say about them? Well, no, I, but the more direct question is how how have we evolved politically and constitutionally as a society? Are we going just at the right pace, too fast, too slow? But comment on what I've just read. Do you I, remember any of those things? Yeah, I think the constitution was the best thing. The new constitution was the best thing that ever happened to Kenya. And but now I feel it's going a bit slower than it should. Well, I, I really can't comment there. I'm not a constitutionalist, so we'll have to, to wait and see. I, I think my feeling is that the constitution that we have reads really well uh, as a document, but we're not implementing it fast enough. Mm. So we could have lots of shows on that. I think the swing now should be to what I've highlighted in red, which are things that have really, really made people happy. And um, one of them is the building of the Kenyatta International Conference Center and the Hilton uh, around about 1969. And the Hilton is just about to close down. <laughs> so, okay, comment on that, please, Kuka. Uh, I remember when uh, the design for Kenyatta Conference Center was made by a I think a Norwegian Norwegian, uh, Norwegian I, I, I architect would, mm. and I saw the plans because we had gone to photograph him with the plans and uh, uh, and of course it grew right in front of our eyes right also um, cause to make people happy uh, we're going to mention uh, ring us up. <laughs> that, ring us up. That was the Safari Rally Ring Us Up uh, program. Okay, so and, uh, uh, link it to the East African East African Rally. Tell everybody yeah. about Joginda Singh. Joginda Singh. Vic <laughs> <Preston> Meta. <laughs> Meta. Yes. Uh, no, I think it was a very good thing because I even remember they, the, the, they, the, the, they, the teams Shekhar Meta and Mike Doughty. That's right. Because yeah. as kids, we knew the whole. Uh, and there's been climate change because the rally always took place around about Easter. Right. And uh, Nairobi, for one, was absolutely flooded. I mean, there was real rain. rain. Yes. Yes. So anyway, you were going. Sorry, I interrupted you. And um, the safari rally was a very exciting time for us because we could go out and take the best photographs that a photographer would love to take and uh, you know follow it right round and come back to to the ramp with the winners on the ramp right and it also seems to me but um uh, ring us up 
you must remind people that there was it was a program I I I compared it one year where people rang in and said um, I'm going to put such and such a thing up for auction and then the bids would come in online and then lots of money was raised um, and there were lots of sort of do-gooding things like that which we seem to have lost out on I mean now I think Safaricom came up with their great um, campaign to de- donate food when there was a, a famine and this time we've got another famine and Kenyans aren't quite so giving so would you just say that the, I don't know well I don't know I mean I think I think Kenyans do give with what they can afford at this time and the, mm. and the moment you know I mean it's not easy to part with money at the moment because of the uh, very costly uh, life people are leading now but I'm sure they'd still do donate as and when they can but do you think that we should have lost there's something else that we've lost that I'm going to bring up a bit later that we should have lost this idea of institutions I can see that our new governor of Nairobi because that's where we are I think we're speaking in the midst of the Nairobi festival but things that you know they're sort of part of our tradition it's like Mardi Gras it happens year in year out and people just come together and do things together and are happy together we're losing out yeah, on it. less less of that now I think right sports sports are you big on sports kuka really ave ruhi i mean i i i did cover up uh, rudisha when he came back from tokyo with medals i followed him to kilgoris that was rudisha mm. pair that was the daddy daddy Daddy, Daddy Rudisha, yes. Daddy Rudisha. Oh, sure. David Rudisha's yes. that yes. won a medal. Yes. But uh, then uh, look at all these uh, moments in, in Kenya's history that, um, again, for my South Asian friends, the idea that a Goan called um, Serafino Antao was a, a sprint. Uh, I think he, he could, bless his heart, he could still be alive as a living somewhere in London. But um, he was born and bred in Kenya and won a medal. In the 60s. Oh, sure. And I, I have photographed him. And by the way, uh, he died. Oh, Paul. Yes. Uh, yeah. Recently, surely. No, no, long time ago. He was in, in, in his bathtub and, and his heater fell in. And oh, my goodness. He got electrocuted. Oh, my goodness. But he was a great athlete. Mm, Naftali yeah, Temu. Yeah, Naftali Temu and the boxers. And right. I yeah. don't remember their names. <laughs> but uh, you must surely have got here. Uh, 1968 Mexico Olympics, Kip Kano wins the 1,500 meters gold. Yes. Do you remember I, such I, a Yes, I remember photographing when he came back. Yes. And, and uh, I our, still our have a picture of him drinking out of a calabash, uh, drinking milk, of course. And our, our relay team won a four by uh, 400 meters relay uh, in some Olympics. But our rugby team, rugby, and now they're all sort of pleading to be given their subsistence money but there were glory days in 2016 kuka when uh kenya's rugby sevens team won the singapore tournament by beating fiji in 2016 sure. does that register on your uh not really but what i'm glad about what i read this morning was that uh, the president wants to bring up the kenya football team, Harambe football team, 
and he wants football in every county and uh, maybe go to the next uh, World Cup or the one after. But I think similarly, I hope they do the same for hockey and rugby and other sports. Right. There are lots of sports memories here. I think um, it goes without saying that we are a great sporting nation, uh, but um, akin to sort of the um, swearing in of um, Barack Obama, I don't think there's one world event uh, that drew as much eyes to the screen as October 2019 when Eliud Kipchoge ran the marathon 26 miles and a bit uh, in less than two hours, the Ineos Marathon in Vienna. With his pink shoes. Do you remember that? Yes, I'm always um, looking at these sports with awe and, you know, clapping for all our sportsmen. You know, Kuka. Bring back (laughs) gold to us. (laughs) You know, the weird thing, (laughs) the weird thing is when you sort of think, I think there was an interview uh, where I think Barack Obama was asked uh, to link those two names was asked whom he'd most like to spend time with. Mm. And he said he'd really love to go out on a jog uh, with Eliud Kipchoge. And I must say, I, I have interviewed and I have met Kipchoge Keino on the summit, in our summit days. But I really, really hope that my broadcasting career would uh, lead me to meet Eliud Kipchoge. I think he is a, a formidable and incredible human being. Uh, And then we're going to, um, just before the last, uh, uh, somebody remembers the national pride over the building of Kasarani Stadium to host the All-Africa Games in 1987. This, uh, I was told, was the first major Chinese-funded project, Kasarani. Uh, So were you very proud when we had this huge stadium? I... I was proud for the stadium, but I don't know much about the history of that stadium at the moment. Well, uh, I'm just saying it's there, mm. and that's what happened. Um, mm. And now, the, in the first, in the same, in the in the same uh, breath, uh, said, "Oh yes, um, thinking about Kasarani, that gets me thinking about the annual Nairobi show. Do you remember the Nairobi show? Oh, share? absolutely. The, agri- <laughs> the Agricultural Society of Kenya. Uh, absolutely. We used to love going there from school and after we finished school. Mm. It was so much fun. It was so much fun. Uh, it was an opportunity uh, to, to see uh, creatures called uh, girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a boarding school. I was in a boarding school, so it was a real kick yeah, to see yeah. a girl oh, yeah. alive and well. Yes. Uh, no, it was more of visiting and, uh, and looking at the new things right. which were exhibited there. Oh, gosh. But they, they were every year, bell-bottoms, trousers, yes. uh, Afro hairdos. <laughs> This whole sort of James Brown, mm. African, well, for, for, mm. for the people of, of, of my um, upbringing. Mm. Uh, but uh, the same friend says, um, just to end on, as I said, this is the sad, the, 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 from sad to glad. Uh, my mum would sew us kids nice Kitenge outfits and we would stay up for the tattoo when the army band in red jackets and black trousers would march to the music. I still remember the tune, and I'm going to record it for you. So here she goes. (laughs) 
yeah, yeah. I remember that exactly. Yes. But then again, our military band—I uh, don't know whether they've stopped down a notch—but they really they were very, very. Uh, this was the band that produced bands like the Maroon Commandos, uh, exemplary musicians. So it's. Uh, Nineteen hours, eleven forty-five seconds. Kuka, I think that you're such an interesting person. I haven't said this to anybody else until now, but I'm going to cut the point and ask before we go into our break. I'm going to ask you who you are now. Kuka, there we now. My name is Anil Vidyati, mm. son of Guzarilal Vidyati. Mm-hmm. And um, my father was born in Ati River. My mother was born in Almantaita. And uh, my grandfather came here in uh, uh, 1867 or 68, I think. And we have fourth or fifth generation now in Kenya. Well, of course, uh, we mustn't lie all the time. I know all that because we've known each other <laughs> since I met the first of your children, all three of them, and uh, they've all uh, turned out um, very well in their own special ways, one of them being the inimitable Smith Smriti Vidyarthi, whom I taught to say hi, bonjour. So, 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 I think, uh, unexpectedly, this is a good time for us to take a break, the last break, and then we're going to talk about you, sir. Now, Kuka uh, turned my good friend Anil. Uh, the reason I think you're an interesting person is not that others haven't been, but I do think that you're something of a walking history book as far as Kenyan history is concerned. And I would like to take you back on two things. First of all, how the history of your family is representative of the history of the South Asian community in Kenya. Tell us a bit about your grandpa, your father, and I'm towards the end. You surely, since we're all people of the press and broadcasters, could tell us how come how long we've come in terms of press freedom. So family, press freedom, and then I'm just going to stop you and I have to stop the program. Uh, <clears throat> my father started a newspaper, handwritten newspaper in the 30s. So sorry, go back to granddad. My granddad came. Yeah, you said he, okay. 1860. Yes. He, so so it, why, why did he come here? Is he it, he came, it came in Dows, you know, sort yeah, of he came, really rough trip and all that. He came on the Dows and he started working for the railways. Would you know in terms of family history where in India you came from? We come from a place uh, in Punjab. Right. Called Layalpur. Right. And uh, my grandfather uh, started working for the railways here and he was appointed as an assistant station master in Ati River. And from there on, 
My father, when he was born in 1907, he went to the Indian government school, which... Just one longer Swahili, but after all these years, I'm sure you could do... Please give me one sentence in Kiswahili. Baba Yango alisaliwa Kenya in 1907. Mimi nilisaliwa in 1944. My grandfather alikuja Kenya in 1867, 1868. Na alianza kazi kwa railway as a assistant station master na baba yangu alisoma hapa what is now Jamhuri High School right and that's where he got his education then okay. alienda India mm. alisoma huko alirudi mm-hmm. na kurudi aliona vile mambo ya politics iliendelea India mm, siasa mm. Sa, Gandhi siasa, Mahatma Gandhi na kadhalika mm. sasa kurudi hapa Mm. alifikiria sasa nitafanya namna gani sasa alianza gazeti mm. uh, naandika na mkono mm-hmm. called Mitron mm-hmm. alafu pole pole walikuwa naenda kwa standard na pali pali yote na chukua typefaces mm-hmm. sasa alianza kutengeneza gazeti yao and finally then he started uh, alianza colonial times uh, bilingual newspaper in english and gujarati right and then he realized that there was nothing for the masses right so he started a swahili newspaper called jicho yes the i right and in the meantime he was also printing for kinyata mwangitania his newspaper right ramogi for udinga right and uh, lots of other newspapers came along then and basically he was helping these guys to print their newspapers and get the news out so anyway so okay he, okay so okay yeah, how yeah. did he uh, is this the uh, the south asian arranged marriage system he had an arranged marriage uh, and he found a, a kenyan also here yes right. my mother was born in almantaita right okay um, uh, time is not on, on our okay. side and i'm not really going to press you about <laughs> your own family because sure. that's unfair you can do that for yourself sure. but I, i i would like to go on this issue so you've been here for a long time uh and again i dare say that we're still kenyans as a growing nation we have kenyans who are sort of populating texas and and uh, other parts of the world quite happily but we are very I would say a bit racial in our own thing in trying not to have a rainbow nation that's what I sense that's not my experience because of course my life is you know I I've dealt with wazungus wahindis and I'm lucky in that way but I do I do I I do hear what are basically racial sentiments being expressed but let's forget that and talk about press free, press freedom press freedom because uh, again you've been part uh, of it yeah, sure. talk about you when you t- you you forget forget you you yourself well press freedom now is an open book and i hope it stays that way and uh, not sort of uh, take us back to the moy days when uh, it was nasty mm. and there was no p- speech freedom there was no press freedom uh you had to watch over your back who was listening to you who was hearing you who was watching you and uh i think so do you have any do you have any uh, anecdotes uh, stories that are about what happened to you and your and your particular business because you you ran a, a printing press yeah we ran a very big printing press um 
um, we were basically always printing for the opposition. And some quarters did not like it. We would receive phone calls. You're not printing for Matiba. You're not printing for, you know, Gatabaki. And, but we just carried on, you know, like we never heard you. And finally, I think they got very, very upset and they firebombed our press and uh, closed down, you know, our machinery. And at one time, I remember when they came to get Matiba's book, which he was printing, uh, Matiba was called and he came into the office immediately from wherever he lived in Limuru and sat in the office and argued with the police officer. He said, you know, he was angry. He said, so we have to take this Muindi. He says, no way are you taking this Muindi anywhere. And in fact, he took my brother with him to his house and spent the night there so that it would be safe. And next day, of course, uh, at, th at this moment, they had take, brought trucks and taken all his books we had printed, folded, finished, and we never saw them again. And similarly, the same thing happened with the finance magazine, which we printed. And somebody very senior didn't like the story in that magazine about Aoko. And they came in, picked me up, took me to Central Police Station, kept me there until midnight, and let me go. And next day, they said, come to the court, which I did. And uh, I was uh, uh, charged for sedition. And by the way, my father was the first person charged for sedition by the British, and I was the last person charged for sedition in Kenya. Oh, good on you. At least and I made end there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, later on, they removed that clause from the Constitution, and Nole Prosecki was uh, you know, declared, and that, that was it. The case was over. But freedom did come after that, uh, as when... Uh, Mr. Kibaki came in. You know, I know uh, we could have this conversation and perhaps we've had it. My my own view is that history is a very slow process. And sometimes what we, I mean, we're talking about being 59. That's a great thematic thread of our conversation. I think looking at the rest of the world and the rest of the continents, the players might have names to them you could name X so and so hmm. and Bokasa and Mobutu and whatever you wish to do. The names of the key players uh, are of the essence. But these players were the actors that the moment needed. Because don't forget, if you go back and look at something like the Congo, you could see that Mobutu was very much a pawn of uh, Belgium, Belgians, America, yes. the CIA. So um, the thing that we're yearning for, and if people have a, 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 w a will to power, is, I think, therefore, to come to a point, I think that we're doing well in historical times to be where we are, having been blessed with a boundary that we never knew. Somebody got there with a ruler at the Bismarck conference somewhere and said, this will be Kenya and this will be Uganda. I mean, you know, half my mummy's people, you know, they're in Uganda, they're Samia sort of thing. So they could, they could be Kenyans too. So the idea of arriving at a cohesion, I, I, I sometimes think, Anil, that we should give ourselves a little slack. I think we've done well. I think we've done well. I think, uh, I think Kenyans are very smart people. 
if you if you if you sort of like tour the globe and benchmark i think our educational standards compared to the rest of africa are extremely high and what is even more even more that our listeners here the young people the people some of whom i've had the privilege to teach uh, we're in good hands for the future i i i really think that we from assassinations that we have to end on a happy note so since i've given my uh fiery, you know whatever on cnn <laughs> what i know what 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 is your what is your uh view as a an elder citizen of how th- far we've come i think things are going to get much better I, i was very proud to see the other day that african union is a force to reckon with now mm-hmm. any trouble in any country they will just move in as a group from the other african countries and try to uh bring in order which is a very good thing there's no need to call the wazungus to come and help right. like it happened in congo right and uh, i think that's a brilliant thing that is going to happen to africa you know so uh i think well what can i think i can think that um we're going to end a bit earlier than usual because we've covered our thing what i do want to say is that um when did we start we've had two seasons that started on april the 6th in the lead up to the elections my first brief was just to chat to people uh, so that capital fm basically could have something to say about the elections because everybody else was doing something about the elections we did uh, people sort of liked it and they said you know bring that old man back and the old man came back and we did uh, this is now season 2 and it means that uh, this will be episode 34 since i started so i've had a really good time talking to people like you and I'm really glad that you take the time to come and chat to me have a conversation as opposed to a grilling remember that our promise was that it was ideas over the individual elucidation well, over John as usual I think you've done a brilliant job oh not only on the radio <laughs> on the theater on writing oh. uh, you name it yeah uh, you're and, a fan and of course you've taught all my children <laughs> to where they are today thank you sir So I think this is the we're going to take a break for Christmas. We're going to take a Christmas break from the show and uh we can do things differently. I just like to thank all the people who've made this happen. We don't do this uh, alone. Um there's so many people in the background gathering the information, so many production meetings thinking folks what the hell are we going to do next? And at the end of the day we seem to have a popular program. So for an indefinite restart in 2023 It remains for me to wish you a merry christmas and a very happy new year. Same You've you, been John. listening to John Sibiokumu on Wednesday. Thank you. Until next year. <laughs> <laughs>